You are listening to the cycling podcast at the 2023 Tour de France Femme. Today, we're at the Tourmalet Bannière de Bigorre. Well, Denis, normally the listeners join us and we've already done our day's work and we're sitting in some beautiful square or not, uh, but always with a beer, whatever the square looks like. Uh, but today, listeners, you're joining us from Lamazan at the start of stage seven of the Tour de France fam because, uh, well, today it's a big, big day, isn't it? It's Tourmalet Day. Yeah, I mean, it's like a sleepy town on the edge of the Pyrenees, but uh, I guess the atmosphere is anything but sleepy. Riders getting ready to... Uh, to race um, we can see some teams on the rollers already others kind of leaving it a bit later but there is a sense of tension I don't know if it's the quietness here but it doesn't seem to be the normal kind of buzz that we get before a race it's definitely the kind of I don't know the most uh, hotly anticipated uh, kind of most tense ex- experience of the, the, the start uh, that I've had so far at least in the in the tall fan well, we've got coming up, of course, a very uh, short stage, uh, just over 89, or almost 90 kilometres uh, in length. And uh, the Col d'Aspan, a Category 1, going up and over that, and then finishing at the top of the Col de Tourmalet. So, I mean, this is where the GC will be decided pretty much. We've got a time trial tomorrow, um, but it's not too long and not too climby. So uh, that does mean that... Um, Today is the day, and I, I agree with you, Denny. There is kind of a, a little bit of uh, tension here, a little bit of maybe shyness also. Uh, the riders kind of hiding themselves uh, away, but uh, we're just in the team paddock, and we're going to um, see who we can find to get a quick word with. Well, we're just walking past the Suratizit WNT bus uh, there, Denny, and uh, we've seen Cedrine Cabal. Now, that is actually something we haven't spoken about much, the white jersey uh, competition. Uh, at the moment, Cedrine is in the lead by about two minutes over Ella Wiley of Life Plus uh, Wahoo. Uh, but she's kind of bandaged up there, isn't she, on the rollers? Yeah, she's looked like she must have had a crash at some point. She's got tape on her right arm. She's got a kind of cuts on her shoulder. So, uh, And she... Uh, didn't want to do any interviews, so uh, clearly just trying to get focused on the race and uh, get ready. Well, uh, it's funny that we're talking about this white jersey battle, and right next to the Saratacid bus is the Life Plus Wahoo bus, who are the nearest uh, rivals for the competition. Well, we actually have the riders here checking there. Uh, Ella, can I get a quick word with you? Um, Ella, uh, obviously you're in the running for the, the white jersey. Is that your focus for today? Um, I think my focus for today is just riding the best I can ride and so whatever happens, happens out on the course. Will it be important to be knowing what Sidrine uh, Cabal is up to? Will that be something that you'll be being relayed from the car? Um, I just like to focus on myself. Um, I think, yeah, as I said, if I'm going my hardest and my best, whatever the result happens, the result happens and I like to read the race on in the situation so yeah whatever happens and you like the big mountains well i hope so i hope you like the big mountains yeah 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 no i'm i'm excited i've never had this type of climb in a race before so i'm just fizzing i think this is the coolest opportunity and i'm just soaking up every moment well of course uh today the gc has already changed overnight uh hasn't it uh elisa longo borghini uh, has a skin infection and unfortunately, although she finished the stage yesterday, has pulled out. I mean, she was one of the the prime uh, riders that we were looking at uh, today. So it, it's kind of a shame for us not to see what she really was made of on the climbs today. Absolutely. Yeah, she was right there with uh, Annemiek van Vluten uh, on GC and Cass- uh, Cassia Nevidoma. So she, she'd ridden a brilliant race up until now, uh, apart from getting slightly distance on uh, the first climb on stage one. But, uh, yeah, we were just remarking, weren't we, earlier, Rose, how quiet she'd been on the race. And she's saving herself for today, and it's a shame we don't get to see what her legs are like. Yeah, I mean, little Trek, all of them have been a bit uh, quiet, of course. Also, I mean, we spoke about it yesterday, but Veronica Ewers, um, we had that news flash at the end of yesterday's pod that she had indeed broken her collarbone. So another... GC contender that we won't be seeing out on the uh, Tourmalet today. We've got here actually Katrin, Katrin Hammers uh, of EF Education. Um, not having Veronica Ewers here uh, for the Tourmalet mm-hmm. has been a huge disappointment for the team. Yes, of course it is. Um, yeah, yesterday was a really 
um, sad day for us, um, losing her in the crash. I mean, I'm kind of glad nothing more happened than just a broken collarbone. Uh, she's fine. Like, other than that, she's fine and in a good mood. Um, but of course, she's disappointed, but we are also really disappointed. It's a big loss to lose the GC um, rider on the GC day or just before the GC day. What, what does the team do today now? Uh, we just try to, yeah, we just try our best and, um, I mean, it doesn't really help to just be sad and to let the race go. So we still want to be part of it. We want to look for our chances, um, hopefully in um, breakaways, to have a bit of a head start in the cl- on the climb. Um, also just to show our jersey and, um, yeah, and then also enjoy the race. I mean, it's a really cool, it's a really cool course. It's a really cool race. So it doesn't really help to do, to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're just wandering a bit further among these buses, aren't we, Denny? They've got some uh, jaunty Euro tunes, I would say, at the Fenix de Kerning. Uh, by the sounds of it, all the riders out on the rollers, ice vests on, getting a little pep talk from uh, the enigmatic Michelle Cornelis, who's... Uh, who's, uh, well, has been at the helm of a fantastic week of racing for that team. Yeah, they're definitely winning the PR war. They've had a great week, and uh, I think a lot of people are warming to them. We mentioned the tense atmosphere, but it's more of a party atmosphere over there. They seem in uh, quite relaxed spirits, don't they? Well, we should talk a little bit about the the GC stakes. I can actually see uh, Claire Steele's over here. Might be worth getting a quick word with her. Just seeing Mariana Voss whizzing by. She's a cool cat, isn't she, old Mariana? Let's see. Claire, do you think I can get a quick word with you? Just finished my jar of peanut butter this morning. You finished your jar of peanut butter? Yeah. That took you a I was wondering, actually, when I saw on the medical communique that you were <laughs> feeling sick yesterday, I was like, it's too much peanut can butter for Can I get some more her. peanut butter, please? <laughs> or not enough. Maybe yeah, maybe better. not enough. Uh, Claire, what are you, how are you feeling about today, uh, Daspan and the tourmalade? Yeah, it's a big day out, isn't it? Um, it's going to be exciting, definitely challenging for sure. Um, but yeah, just have to go out there and, and see how the legs are feeling. It didn't feel great yesterday, um, as you said earlier, going to see the doctor. So yeah, just have to see see what happens today, really. And what do you want to get out of it? What would be a good day today? Get to the top. <laughs> <laughs> the top of the tourmalade, we should say. Not yes, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The top of the Aspen is not going to help you. <laughs> no. I don't know, as long as there's a car, that'll be right now. Um, honestly, just keep having a great time with the team, really. We have a plan, try and execute it, and yeah, and just have a good day out, really. Great. Thanks, Claire. I'll let Thanks you so uh, get ready. Thank you. And, uh, well, yeah, that was Claire Steeles, um, who see that she's down in 18, but really, she and she's lost a, a, a bit of time uh, on the biggest rivals, two minutes 44 back but that's kind of that's actually more like less than under, two minutes, under two minutes. on yeah. under two minutes on the main gc contenders uh, glad to see that she's recovered and ready for the day but we need to talk about the gc contenders don't we because uh we have to say that uh, lottie kopecky is currently obviously in the yellow jersey which has been just looking after all week hasn't she um she is 53 seconds ahead of ashley mormon passio uh who is uh, a couple of seconds ahead of Annemiek van Vluten uh, and Yara Kastelein, who's been a bit of a revelation. Oh, and Kashini Viadoma, who I've uh, totally missed, which would have been uh, a big mistake for me. And then we have uh, Demi Vollering, who is, of course, 12 seconds back on Annemiek, because we are really talking about it being an Annemiek van Vluten and Demi Vollering uh, battle, aren't we, Demi? We very much are, and I, I guess we're expecting that's, that's what we'll have, but... Uh... As we said yesterday, we, we're learning to expect the unexpected, so let's not assume that it will be just then. But of course, uh, now she's behind on GC. Um, Annemiek van Vluten is ahead of her on time. That means she needs to adopt a different approach to the one she would have been taking if she'd been ahead, which she was previously before the time penalty. I should say this is the perfect time to mention a pun that Lionel said to me earlier, which was demi-following. He ca- she can't be demi-following uh, today, can she? Absolutely. No, she's, she needs to go on the offensive. She can't rely on the time trial tomorrow to make up the time. So uh, it will be interesting to see how she plays it, how, how early she tries to go, uh, or if she just kind of holds onto the wheels. I mean, we don't know what the legs are going to be like, do we? But uh, she certainly needs to have that kind of attacking mentality, we think. Now for some French flavour with B, François Thomas. 
So here we are at Le Tourmalet, the first time for the women in the Tour de France, uh, which reminds us that, uh, well, more than a century ago, when the men went there for the first time, uh, Henri Desgranges, the Tour de France creator, was actually didn't go to the finish. He, he said he was sick. Uh, uh, actually, he was so afraid that uh, the riders would revolt against the tour organizers because of the, uh, you know, difficulty, the, the grueling climb of the Tourmalet that, uh, you know, he, he preferred to stay in Bannière de Luchon, uh, pretending he was sick. And he sent his uh, right, uh, right-hand man, Victor Breyer, to take care of uh, business. And Breyer was a former boxer and a great boxing fan. So, you know, if the worst came to the worst, he could he could always, you know, go into a punch-up with the riders. And, uh, well, as everybody knows, Octave Lapiz was the first man at, at the top. Um, and uh, he called the uh, organizers criminals. I don't know about the women. Are they going to call Marion Rousse a criminal for taking them to the Tourmalet? I kind of doubt it. Uh, there's lots of stories about the Tourmalet, a uh, very famous one. We went through Campan today, where Eugène Christophe, the old gold, was forced to repair his fork at the local blacksmith uh, after suffering a, you know, a mechanical at the time you had, well, you had to mend your bike you, yourself. Um, many, many, I mean, all these little villages we, you know, we went through, uh, were quite famous, you know, for cycling fans because we've been there many, many times. A, a couple of uh, interesting um, uh, facts and souvenirs. What the, 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 I mean, if you find the uh, Tomale grueling, you know, by climbing it uh, on a bike, by riding up the Tomale, uh, bear in mind it in 1675. Uh, the uh, Madame de Maintenon, she was uh, the official mistress of King Louis XIV, the, the Sun King. She took the little Duke of Maine, who had a, who had a, uh, a problem, he, was, he had a limp, and she took, uh, she took the, 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 the young man to Barège. Uh, it was a spa town you know, at the bottom of the Tourmalet, uh, well, to, to kind of cure, try and cure his, uh, his, his you know, leg problem. And so uh, they had to go through the Tourmalet, via the Tourmalet to Barège, and so to, to go up the mountain pass. And they did that, uh, you know, by, well, they actually had a, uh, a little carriage, and it was actually carried by men, uh, you know, the four guys, four, you know, tough guys from the area uh, took the uh, carriage up the hill and down with the, the, the Duke and Madame de Maintenon in the uh, carriage. So I guess for these guys, <laughs> You know, like kind of Sherpas, it was it was even worse or even more grueling than it can be for a rider. And to finish a, a, a personal memory of the Tourmalet, which is one of my favorite memories, you know, covering a um, bike race, we we had to drive up the Tourmalet one day, coming back from the Tour de France stage and uh, hoping to find a restaurant. Uh, and the one we found was on the other side of the Tourmalet, so we had to drive up and down the the pass and it was a very very foggy day and so we we drove up the tourmalet in the fog in the mist for the, the whole of the pass and as we got to the top all of a sudden we found ourselves on top of the clouds and it was like you had cotton just beneath you underneath the the car and the tourmalet and there was a kind of a moonshine with lots of animals there cows horses sheep uh it, it was kind of a vision of paradise it was very unreal and I, I kept this image in my mind you know to this day unfortunately at the time we didn't have you know phones taking great pictures so i don't have a picture of it but it's still in my mind that's it for the tourmalet uh well I'll talk to you tomorrow shoot uh, shoot at l'arrière du peloton cycling podcast team car at the back of the pack please we're very proud to be supported by map in a recent episode, we heard from MAPS co-founder Jared Smith about his ambition to see their jerseys in the World Tour one day, and he revealed we may well see a women's team in the Tour de France fam wearing MAP clothing in the not-too-distant future. 
Anyway, let's hear from MAP's Head of Design, Harry Osborne, about how they're already making kit that's fit for the World Tour. Yeah, I think the, the, the ProHex jerseys are a good example of, you know, seamlessly blending that performance element, you know, and a, a bold aesthetic as well in, into one jersey. So, you know, this is a, this is a jersey really that's focused on being um, super lightweight. Um, it's a race fit jersey, so it's really designed for the, you know, the highest tempo rides. The main feature there of that jersey is the, the Hextech sleeve. And this is, you know, really using a, a highly technical um, engineered fabric but also has an added layer of graphic detail, like seamlessly integrated into the textile. We've worked with one of the most advanced sort of weavers um, in Europe. They have uh, an incredible um, array of manufacturing techniques where they can create a fabric that's extremely lightweight, high stretch, lots of compression, so we can get um, a great fit. You can, we can... Um, get an aerodynamic fit um, and we can achieve a low weight so the, the whole product is um, you know feels light against the body it's high wicking it's aerodynamic but when you look down at your sleeve you have this incredible detail of the map logo woven throughout the throughout the textile check out the full range of map clothing for on and off the bike at map.cc well, Denny, we're here. We've arrived at the, the finish line at the top of the Tourmalet, or so I'm told I'm at the top of the Tourmalet, but you wouldn't know from looking around, would you? No, I mean, I'm told on a clear day. It feels like you're on top of the world here, but we can barely see anything. The mist has come over. The, we're stuck in the cloud uh, the finish line here, and we can barely see five or ten metres. There's a, apparently a, lot, a giant TV screen in front of us, but we can't see what's on it because uh, the, the, the mist is so severe. It's very eerie up here, isn't it? It's really eerie. It's also kind of, it's very cold. It's really cold, which is crazy because earlier, kind of layering on the sun cream, the sun felt really harsh. And up here, it's, it's pretty frosty even. Probably comes as some relief, actually, because it was searingly hot uh, at the foot of uh, the, well, at the start of the race. But uh, the other thing we noticed driving up was just how windy it was. It, uh, kind of winds coming in from the, the side of the mountain. So it'd be interesting to see if that uh, plays any role in the race later on. Yeah, well, we are also seeing uh, Movistar at the front. And I know that uh, Lizzie Banks uh, said it, Cecily Ludwig said it yesterday, that they were going to be going as, as early as they can and... Uh, well, we can see Liana Lippert making a, a huge effort on the front, which makes me feel like a pretty ominous sign, isn't it, with Van Vluten just tucked behind her there. Yeah, I mean, they definitely mean business. They've, they've been on the front since the bottom of the Aspen, so uh, Annemiek Van Vluten definitely wants to make a hard pace up here, and she seems to be succeeding as riders keep dropping off the back. Uh, Lippert is gone and Van Fluten is already going for it which I mean I say already I mean it's like 35 kilometres to go which normally would be well inside an Annemiek Van Vluten uh, solo but it's so much climbing and we can see she's taken with her uh, Demi Vollering and looks like Kasia Neviadoma the, uh, look at that just like immediately a gap yeah I mean it's blown to smithereens just in a blink of an eye almost there I mean 5k to go well would, uh, I think it was when she went and uh now, just as you say, three riders up front. It looks like another group of four with Ashley Mormon Passio and a few others, Juliette Labousse, trying to kind of gather themselves behind. But um, yeah, I mean, this, this, the race is in pieces, isn't it? Well, what on earth are we watching, Denny? Just, <laughs> <laughs> I just sort of popped a, a portaloo at the top of the doorway and I come back and it's just like uh, I'm watching a totally different race where no one wants to win, maybe. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we said maybe we should expect the unexpected. And at the moment, we're, we're certainly getting that. Nevia Doma was her usual kind of daring self going downhill. She eked out a small gap. And then as the gap opened out, um, Vollering and Van Vluten just... Uh, stop working they've just at the moment they're just kind of gently rolling down the hill neither talking to each other it seems a very very frosty atmosphere there and uh, I guess if they're not careful they're going to get caught again by the yellow jersey group and Nevia Doma is going to have a really uh, healthy lead by the time they get to the foot of the Tourmalet so this could be turning to something very very interesting the catch hasn't been made and actually Cassius pulled out a bit more time again now Denny yeah just uh, 10.8 kilometres to go now so they'll be getting towards the, the steeper slopes very shortly but now bonjour uh, now it's, uh, 16 seconds of a gap so uh, but you'd expect that to go down very quickly uh, once the, uh, the once the chasers start riding well could this be something Denny we've just been watching Juliette Le Bleu 
Laboose attack multiple times, in fact, so many times that you keep thinking we're watching a replay, but we've actually finally seen uh, Vollering make a little move here, 5.5 kilometres to go, and just about when it starts to, the road really starts to kick up. Yeah, 5.5 to go, as you say, and uh, we've just seen Juliet Laboose uh, kind of doing a small attacks off the front, obviously frustrated with the pace because the uh, the five chases behind uh, Nevia Doma weren't really riding that hard, but now Vollering's put in an attack and she first of all distanced Labousse, then Kebeki dropped off, uh, then Mormon Passio, and now it looks like she's dropping uh, Van Vluten. So uh, it could all be happening here in the GC contest. Van Vluten's just clinging on, but in the, in the, the in the mist, we can't really see uh, where she is. She's just suddenly disappeared. But is she there or not? We don't know. We were asking why is the yellow jersey not at the front pulling for a teammate we were asking why did Demi Vollering not make a move on the, that descent why did she not go earlier why did she not work with Annemiek van Vluten on the cold dustpan but what we're seeing now Demi is like this incredible ride from Demi Vollering she's got 58 seconds on Annemiek van Vluten she's still got three kilometres left to race it yeah I mean I guess ST Works will feel this is a vindication of their tactics won't they um, and uh, for, for a minute we were even questioning whether Kopecky could hold on to uh, the podium but as we're watching now with 3k to go it looks like uh, that chance is slipping away slightly she's still just about clinging on to the virtual third by the looks of it because she's at 1 minute 46 Van Vluten's at 101 and there's a diff- difference of 55 seconds behind them so it, you know it's not out completely out of the question that um, SD Works could pull off an incredible one too at this moment and Nevia Doma is still within contact only 19 seconds behind Vollering and it looks like it's coming down but although on the other hand Felix is shaking his head saying they've probably got the time gaps wrong with the, and the way the gap's coming down he's probably right it's an amazing sight Denny isn't it watching the screen seeing the fact because the fans were there all the way uh, up on the corners on the hairpins on the way up and the, the mist is so thick with the fans jumping out uh, I don't know what the photographers think we actually spoke to Jojo Harper a bit earlier she was like yeah photos are not going to be great but this is a memorable ride for so many other reasons an epic ride uh, from Demi Vollering even if uh, she could be anywhere really she could be riding anywhere but we have to remember also we, you know we're looking at the screen we can't it's really hard to tell when a rider's coming up to another but the right that's what the riders are experiencing as well they can't tell if it's really that the, there's another rider 10 seconds ahead or 20 seconds ahead or 30 seconds they can't see that at all no it's going to be one of those situations where they won't know what's happened until they get over the line which is a bit like us <laughs> just like <laughs> us uh, but yeah I mean well we, we know we saw Demi Vollering go under the 1k to go banner which feels like over a minute ago now and uh, Nivia Dome has just gone through so probably not too long until uh, Vollering gets to this finish line but uh, 470 metres to go still so yeah just goes to show that it's uh, although it's slightly shallower in the final K there's still uh, plenty of steep slopes left and uh, still time for the GC uh, race to change slightly I mean Debbie Vollering I mean really the pressure was on her today everyone was again with the 20 second penalty that she that she's already suffered the fact that she was so dominant uh, in the spring really everyone was looking at her Annemiek Van Vluten obviously became also a favourite after such a performance at the Giro Donne but I mean uh, she's proving that uh, she can do it on uh, the, the punchy climbs she can do it on the long climbs uh, that she is the strongest climber in this race oh yeah I mean what a year for Vollering so far I mean if she goes on to win this stage which it look, looks almost within doubt uh, well there's no doubt about it now she she falls over. yeah yeah some disaster happens then uh, this this is going to continue just an incredible run of form for for Vollering and uh, yeah and maybe it's a kind of a, a symbolic moment a kind of changing of the guard in the kind of uh, GC standings of the kind of top top women's uh, races here it's uh, Van Vluten slipping away and she may not even be uh, in second by the end of the day but we, we don't know as we say we don't know where Van Vluten is I mean it's been a long time since we've, we've had Norman Passio on the screen we've had uh, Juliette Labousse because obviously being French and we've also had a lot seen a lot of cash and even though we haven't seen anything of Van Vluten for absolutely ages and obviously this is Van Vluten's last chance here at the Tour de France fam she was the inaugural uh, yellow jersey at the Tour de France fam last year and she's retiring at the end of the year 
Um, but so it really does feel like a passing the battle now. We're all getting uh, very excited now. She does come across the finish line. That's it. Demi Bollering wins on the tourmaline. Um Well, Denny, we're about to get sucked into the madness and chaos on the on the finish line. I mean, we, I mean, me, um, Demi Bollering must only be about 50 metres away from us, but we can't see it. No one else can see it. No one else knows where to run or anything. So I think what we're going to do, we're going to uh, split up now, aren't we, Denny? We're going to see who we can grab on this finish line and then we're going to go and get warm somewhere uh, sit down and try to work out what the heck has happened with Lizzie the cycling podcast of the 2023 Tour de France fam is supported by Science in Sport Science in Sport fueled by science Science in Sport are the world leaders in endurance nutrition when Grand Tours are race on the edge and won by seconds it's crucial to get the right fuel at the right time Fuel, hydrate and recover like the pros at scienceandsport.com. Well, Denny, we're finally sitting down and we're warm and cosy. We're in a little bar in Barège, which is the other side of the Tourmalet. So we really have seen both sides uh, of the Tourmalet today. I've had a million messages from people I haven't spoken to in about six years just with pictures of me without a jacket on saying, where's your jacket? Or did you leave your jacket at home? Or what were you thinking at the top of the tourmalet? <laughs> um, so that's all I've had. But I'm finally warm, got a jumper on, and we've been finally joined uh, by Lizzie Banks. We're trying Hello. to gonna get... We were hoping to talk to you when we were on the tourmalet, but the signal was uh, just terrible and the conditions were, were even uh, worse. So we're desperate to hear. Everyone's heard plenty from us. Um, Oh, no, actually, I should actually clarify, because we didn't know what was going on with, like, headless chickens, what actually happened in that uh, the result for the stage was Demi Vollering, as we knew and we said, um, but it was Cachanivia Doma, which we also knew, was at 1 minute 58 mm. back, which was actually a lot more than uh, we expected. And then Annemiek van Fluten came in at 2 minutes 34, which is actually surprising, because they really didn't show her, so we thought she was much further back. Ashley Mormon-Passio uh, came in after her. Uh, Juliette Labousse was fifth. Lottie Capecchi, the most, very incredibly notable, came in three minutes 32 down, but she was sixth on the stage, which we would never have expected. So uh, just also to summarise on GC, that puts Vollering top with a one-minute 50 lead over Cachanevia Doma, and then it's a bit of a tight battle in the third, fourth, fifth places with Annemiek van Vluten, as if Annemiek was not in the first two places after we've been banging on about it being a following van Vluten uh, day today. Uh, Lottie Capecchi in fourth, and then Ashley Mormon-Passio uh, in fifth. They're all, um, I think it's only 11 seconds between uh, all of those three. But Lizzie, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your read uh, of the race what was going on there? Because, I mean, it, we were like, what the heck? But then also, actually, everyone <laughs> probably watching was like, what the heck? Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a what the heck day, wasn't it? And I think I'd say ride of the day has got to go to Cassia Nevia Doma. We always talk about people just waiting and waiting and waiting and leaving it to the favourites and the best climbers to battle it out and then it's too late. And Cassia really seized the day. She seized that opportunity on the downhill. Um, she took the mountains points over the Col d'Aspan of course. Um, yeah, seized the moment on the downhill, put Vollering and Van Vluten under pressure and she said in, in uh, her television interview after the race that they have a saying in Poland that when two, two people, the first two look at each other, it's the third one that wins and um, she took that opportunity and Van Vluten and Vollering did exactly that. There was a point when they'd come down the first and only really technical part of the descent and Cassianivia Doma was only four seconds in front of Follering and Van Vluten when they Crazy. flat out refused to do any work together. <laughs> Follering even refused to talk to Van Vluten. Um, and yeah, I mean, then Van Vluten sort of shrugged. She put her brakes on. You could hear the squeal of the brakes on the coverage. Um, and then that was that. And before they knew it, the gap to Cassia was a minute and um, the group behind with... Uh, of course, Vollering's teammates, Kopecki and Marlon Breusser, but also some of their rivals, Labus, uh, Ashley Mormon-Passio, Cecilia Ultra-Bludwig, that group was suddenly back to them. And it, <laughs> it was just such a crazy thing. You know, Kashini Rudoma was right there and they just gave her a minute to go up the road. And 
yeah so crazy 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 day and what a what a ride from Kasia but also what a ride from Lotta Kopecky absolute madness yes. for her to finish uh, sixth sixth on a stage like that phenomenal ride well what did you th- what did you think Lizzie because uh, I mean obviously we were watching with uh, surprise I guess um, because Demi Bollering was obviously swept up uh, by a group with two of her teammates Marlon Royster put in loads loads of work cut the deficit to Kasia and then moved off and then Lottie Kopecky was still there but but just sitting on the back, I mean, was it, what did you, how did you read that? I guess, how did you read that at the time? And, and yeah. now seeing that Lottie Kopecky is actually fourth on GC, now how do you, uh, how do you see it? Yeah, at the, I mean, I guess it's easy for me to say at the time now, isn't it? But this is how I saw it at the time. The fact that she was at the back and not pulling at the front for Vollering meant that I understood that her to have been told sit in see how long you can go for and see what can happen because of course she went into this with a 53 second lead she's been the big lead it's a a big big lead yeah um and you know she's been the Belgian national ITT champion for the last five years um and now, I mean, we, I don't think we could have predicted that her ride would be quite that good, but she did really benefit from the, you know, absolute faffing around of following and Van Vluten. Um, and that lowest part of the, of course, the cold Aspan was slightly less steep. Um, and that lower part where Marlon Reuser was working, she was in the wheels getting the draft and it was also less steep. But for her to cling on on the steeper bits was really quite remarkable. Um, but with her now being 235 back, seven seconds behind Van Vluten, I think that, I think Cassia's Cassia's podium place is seriously under pressure because we know that her time trial is weak. Um, and I think Kopecky's got a really good chance of putting herself on the podium tomorrow. And one other thing I wanted to mention is, Denny, I've, um, I've been borrowing your calculator... I hope you don't mind. <laughs> Have you been spelling any words with it? <laughs> no, I've been working very hard and I've done a little bit of calculating and had SD Works have chased on stages five and six where Lotta Kopecky was fourth on stage five, third on stage six and had Lotta Kopecky have won on stage five, therefore taking a 10-second bonus, and had she have bumped herself one place up on stage six, taking second behind Cool, she would have been 12 seconds ahead in bonus, which means she would have been in the third place on the podium after the Queen stage tonight going into the time trial. So, SD Works, (laughs) next time just do some chasing because you never know what's going to happen. Well, it's interesting, Lizzie, that you say that Cassia Nivedoma's podium place might be under threat tomorrow with the time trial. She, I mean, she is sitting in second. So, uh, Denny, you heard from her uh, in the mix zone today. Let's hear what Cassia Nivedoma said. Definitely, I'm super proud, super happy. Uh, it was immense effort, uh, not only from myself, but from the whole team from our staff members, from the riders, placing me amazingly at the bottom of Cold Aspen, just like basically going all out on those crazy, hectic, nervous roads, so I could just like easily approach the climb, and yeah, I'm happy with the timing of my shape, I'm happy with the preparation, and everything, how it went so far. When you went on on the descent of the Aspen, were you surprised how how fast the gap grew, and did you realize that they didn't work? No, I wasn't surprised because I saw once I had a quick glance be, uh, behind me and I saw that they were looking at each other, and also on the climb when they called the Aspen, Jamie didn't want to work with us, so I knew that she will not work with Anemic. Uh, I didn't know that Marlon was in the group behind, and that was actually the the like the biggest. Um, misfortune for me because then she was chasing down it's 38 seconds on gc um to uh, anemic now um is that enough for time trial um we will see tomorrow i mean um i have good legs i hope that i'm not gonna lose them overnight um i came here to fight for podium so i will not let go of that that was Kasia Nividoma. Of course, now the polka dots wearer, which is a pretty nice outcome and, and nice for her to get something out of what was such an impressive uh, ride, of course. Um, Shall we also hear from... Uh, we haven't really spoken really about how momentous Demi Vollering's ride was because it was a little bit unexpected. We always try and avoid giving piling on too much praise onto SD Works, uh, don't we? But, I mean, 
Lizzie was fantastic from Demi Vollering, wasn't it? I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, we, we knew she was capable of it, but perhaps yeah. had come to believe that maybe she wasn't going to do it this time. But Yeah, she's had the, all of the pressure on her going into this. You know, like we said before, it was ridiculous that Van Vluten wasn't the favourite despite winning the last five Grand Tours. But Vollering had had such a, you know, I mean... A good season doesn't really cut it, does it? You know, ridiculous season, unbelievable season for her, for the team. Um, and so she really had so much pressure coming on her. Um, there was a lot of criticism of, of the team this week. Of course, she had 20 bonus seconds. She had to contend um, with, you know, the, the mental battle of that. Also, the mental battle of her sports director getting kicked out of the car. Um, and, you know, she really said that it was down to the belief of her team. Obviously, it was down to her legs as well. Um, but they had a plan of exactly where they wanted to go. They kept cool before then. Um, they just, She just sat on the wheel of Annemiek van Vluten all the way up the Col d'Aspin. She thought it was too early to go there. She knew she wanted to go on the steeper part of the Tourmalet much later into the race. She made her one decisive attack and then she just pulled out a gap of you know, nearly two minutes to Cassiniviodoma, over two minutes to van Vluten in um, five and a half Ks, I think it was. And it was really a very impressive very calculated clinical but very impressive ride well let's hear from the mastermind of that plan that's Anna van der Breggen the DS at SD Works I'm really proud on Damien but also on Lotte of course and uh, Marlon and actually all the girls did a, did a great job and this was the big goal we set already from the beginning um, and the week was already perfect with Lotte in yellow but uh, yeah this was the big goal and if it works out like this that's uh, that's really cool. Um, I heard uh, Annemiek uh, was breaking, so then Kasia got a gap. And then Annemiek also didn't want to work to bring it back, so I, I don't really understand why. But um, yeah, I mean, Lotte and Marlen were still pretty close in that group behind. And that's that's the thing that, that makes the team strong, I think, also, is that if they can come back. And for Demi, that's really a big support that the girls can do it and then that the girls are there in case something happens. Um, and then, yeah, we had a plan for the Tourmalet where, where Demi should go. And actually, she executed it perfect. And, uh, yeah, really impressive how she did. That was Anna van der Breggen. And actually, she went on to say that, you know, not only did they have Marlon Royce going for the win uh, at the time trial, they also have Lottie Kopecky in a fantastic position to maybe take a, a podium place as well. So uh, we've been all this all week calling SD Works his bluff and it seems like it's everything uh, seems to go their way but of course we should um, talk about Annemiek van Vluten because she was uh, the instigator of that move early on on the cold Aspan and uh, we thought when she went away that we thought that, that was it didn't we well as you heard as everyone heard as one, <laughs> we, can't, we can't deny it now can we we did for a while and uh, we, we heard from her um I don't know if we want to hear from her now, but basically she, she said, in hindsight, maybe going on the Aspen was a little bit too early. But of course, you know, you never quite know how your legs are going to be. And she felt in a good place. And so she went for it. Well, let's hear from her. Denny, what was her mood like? after? She the was very, very gracious, I have to say, and uh, very willing to talk to the press, uh, which was, I, you know, as a first timer on the tour, I found amazing that, the, you know, her willingness to just get on with interviews after what must be an incredibly disappointing day for her um, but yeah she was in relatively good spirits considering of course disappointed I was hoping to have a better way better day I didn't have my best day out there I think also uh, yeah but I was full confidence to go that's also why I went on the span already we had a good team plan if I would have had a really good day that was the best plan to make it too hard from the span already and in the end uh, yeah I didn't have a good day so uh, I had to pay the price on the top can you tell us about the descent uh, from the Aspen? Talking with Demi, what did you say to her? What did, what did she say? Why didn't you ride together? Uh, yeah, she didn't want to ride. So like, yeah, if you don't ride, then I also don't ride. But yeah, she also had a point. She had two teammates behind her, so so I felt like Demi wait for it. For me, the the goal to attack on Aspen was not to make to lo uh, to drop everyone there. It was more to do a first effort. But maybe in the end, it was not so smart. For for my shape of today, it was not the best plan. But you never know that. And I always like to race with my heart. And, and you always need to focus on your strength. And usually that is my capacity and my endurance. So that's why I went. Well, that was Annemiek van Vluten. Uh, obviously, it was her last opportunity to win the Tour de France um, again. She won the penultimate the opportunity. First one. Still tomorrow. Penultimate. 
Oh, sorry. Oh. We're writing it off far <laughs> too early. Uh, but, uh, yes, pretty ambitious uh, for Anamit to uh, make up quite so much ground. She is two minutes uh, 28 down uh, on the general classification from Demi Volling, who's also a, a fantastic uh, at time trialling as well. But it's funny that you mentioned, Denny, uh, of course, that Annemiek van Vluten uh, was saying that it might have been a bit overambitious going so early uh, because that opinion was actually shared by Ashley Mulman Passio. I caught up with her just once. She'd basically just caught her breath back at the top of the Tourmalet. Um, and uh, yes, let's hear from Ash now. Uh, Ash, I mean, talk us through what was going on in that stage. I mean, I, I imagine that you could never have man- imagined the kind of cat and mouse that was going on on, on the Tourmalet. Um, yeah, um, the Aspen um, movie star was sitting like really hard pace, um, which I think in the end was uh, a bit too ambitious, to be totally honest, because um, they obviously blew Annemiek as well. Um, and then, yeah, it was really hard to believe when um, I was hearing on the radio that Annemiek and Demi are playing games and Cassie is up the road. I mean, it's, um, it wasn't what I expected. And yeah, I have to say kudos to uh, Cassia. She had a phenomenal ride today. She really put herself out there. So real, uh, big respect to her. And yeah, then um, we just kept becoming smaller, smaller, smaller group. And I tried my best just to be patient and um, to play my game. And yeah, then it kind of all exploded, um, I suppose, with about 5Ks to go. And we were all sort of on our own mission. And oh, man, I could just see Annemiek ahead of me. But as much as I willed my legs on and on and on, I just I couldn't quite catch her. But yeah, she was just ahead. And um, yeah, to be honest, I, I mean, I know where I am on the climb, but I think uh, Kopecki, I don't know, she's still in yellow. I think she is. So um, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> well, that was Ashley Mormon Passio. And it was such a fantastic uh Oh, what did you? I was going to say it was it was fantastic, even though I was very cold and it was very misty, Lizzie. But what did you think of the spectacle uh, of the tourmalade? I mean, what I was thankful for. I I know it was kind of the racing was sort of weird, as we hinted at a lot during uh, the race. But uh, it was good that it wasn't just that time trial from the cold dust band. Because I think at one point I I really did think it was going to be just one, you know, pretty much solo riders. Um, taking on these big climbs, but it was great to see a proper, a proper fight, a proper battle. No, I thought it was thrilling, and I think the fact that Nibiodoma was ahead, that then Van, Vlo- um, sorry, that then Van Vollering, you know, bridged up to her, then passed her, and you know, Nibiodoma was still hanging in the gap, and because the visibility was so bad, you know, I know that you really struggled to see who was going across the line, but even on the TV images, we really had no idea. And when there was this group of, um, you know, Van Vluten and Mormon Passio and Capecchi crossing the line, there was a camera behind Mormon Passio, and I was like, oh, she must have caught Van Vluten, but, but Van exactly. Vluten was still. <laughs> You know, like four seconds in front you just you just couldn't see anything you know we couldn't even see following on the podium shots you know taking her yellow jersey she was sort of translucent almost because the visibility was so bad but that you know that incredible atmosphere of the very Pyrenean weather that you had there just really built all of these layers of excitement that you just didn't really know who was going to cross the line next um and yeah we had it we did have a really real race going on and i think that was hugely thanks with thanks to kashi nibiodoma who you know was making the race by being ahead and being someone would she be caught and even things like the timing chip on Nibidoma's bike was clearly not working very well because at <laughs> no, one point true. it came very swiftly from 30 seconds down to zip well five I think five oh my yeah. god I thought oh my god <laughs> Vollering's absolutely blown with the altitude what is happening um, and then I looked on the official tracker and actually no it was a one minute and 15 or something so so all of these things added to the suspense and uh, I think it was a really a really exciting day of racing especially then when you get the final GC and you're like what Kopecky fourth what <laughs> so brilliant it's balmy absolutely balmy but well let's hear from Claire Steeles uh, who went on the um, who was obviously ra- ra- racing the stage today and we spoke to her in the morning she finished 21st uh, on the stage 12 minutes down but she just had was trying to take in the experience let's hear from Claire enjoying being on the tourmalade well Claire I caught up with you at the beginning of the day hey Uh, was it all you hoped it was going to be sorry kind of yeah kind of yes kind of no (laughs) Um, I would have liked it to be about 5k shorter but um, (laughs) is that the steep 5k (laughs) funnily enough yeah 
No, the first climb was absolute agony. I don't know what happened. My legs just went. <laughs> not, not today, Claire. Sorry. We thought you were going for uh, trying to get into a, a, an early break. Yeah, yeah. That was that was the plan. Just because of how rough I felt yesterday, the plan was to try and get in an early break today, but it didn't come off. And then it was just see what you can do on the climb, and hopefully, so you have some legs. Um, I mean, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't wasn't great, and it was pretty fun in a really sort of sadistic way <laughs> did, did you get to take in the, the moment the climbing of the tourmalade it's obviously not an opportunity that comes up very often <laughs> thank god <laughs> um, yeah definitely and like the crowds are amazing it's just you know when you've watched it on TV and, and then then you go to watch a race and then you're in the race I was just like I'm, I'm like half terrified someone's going to knock me off my bike but also like the other half this is so cool <laughs> Well, that was Claire Steele. And nice to see someone uh, smiling and delighted. And I got my Polaroid camera out to take a snap of her to put on uh, our Instagram. And then she was like, oh, can I have a Polaroid too? <laughs> so uh, Claire's now got one. I'm now official uh, no, Polaroid. Claire, do you not know that the cycling podcast budget is tight? <laughs> yeah, do you not know how expensive Polaroid film exactly. is? Exactly. <laughs> But um, it was worth it. She's given you can, me two you can send her the bill afterwards, Rose. Oh well, yeah, she's also given me two fantastic interviews uh, today. So she so she definitely deserves um, a Polaroid uh, picture. But well, you know, well we should assess what the picture is in terms of GC and what is up for grabs tomorrow, shouldn't we? Because well, you wouldn't think in a time trial that was 22.6 kilometers long and pretty much flat apart from one little bump in the the middle that much time could be made up but then you know it's pretty close for those that third podium spot third fourth fifth and uh, Lizzie you're also saying not backing uh, Kashinibi Doma's um, time trial skills i.e. so it could all be still quite a lot to change maybe not bollering but maybe a lot to change elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would say I, I would hope that um, that Vollering's spot is safe because because if it wasn't, it would mean that there was probably something bad happened and we don't want the GC to be sided by a crash or a puncture or something like that. Um, but yes, it's definitely very tight behind, you know, Cassia Niviodoma will fully admit to the fact that she has not spent that much time on her time trial bike. She is not a time trial specialist. Um and so although she currently has 38 seconds buffer to the third spot on GC uh, and a little more to the fourth, I wouldn't be surprised if she loses her podium spot. And like we said already, Kopecky is a great time trialist. Annemiek van Vluten is a good time trialist, but I don't think she's at the level that she used to be. Um, big question mark about Ashley Mormon Passio's time trial. A bit of a question mark about Labuse's time trial, actually, because we heard uh, her sports director, Kelvin Decker, saying that they were quite confident in that. And she clearly was climbing well today. Um, you know, she she wasn't quite as high as she may have been. But of course, she lost, you know, those 43 seconds in the first stage to the GC places. Um, and she's also not you know, a punchy uh, you ha in the end uh, you know we weren't expecting it but you did have to be kind of a, a bit of a a bit more punchy than just an endurance climber because the pace was a little slower on those uh, which I yeah. think is why we saw Juliette Labou Labousse going uh, quite regularly because she knew that she needed the kind of uh, she would be better on an endurance climb rather than being, you know, leaving it to a 4K to go, which is what Yeah, and she needed, she needed buffer on her more immediate rivals, like, like yeah. Ashley Mormon yeah. Passio, for instance. You know, if she could have mm. dropped Ashley Mormon Passio there, and then even if she could have, you know, dropped her and then reduced that group, then she would have had a far better chance of holding that podium spot. So it's really tight. I mean even for the stage win as well, actually. You know, if we look back to the Tour de Suisse, uh, Marlon Reuser won that, and it was 25 kilometres. It was kind of similar in profile um, to what we're going to see tomorrow in the Tour de France Femme. And, you know, Marlon Reuser won that, but only by eight seconds from her teammate, Demi Vollering. And Marlon has done, yes, she could go easy, in inverted commas, up the last part of the climb today, but she's done a lot of work this week. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see whether Vollering can actually take that stage win in yellow as well, of course. And I think that, you know, we often hear people saying in the in the men's tour that uh, the yellow jersey gives you extra power. And I, I do think that's true. And I think going off last is a, is a very beneficial thing in this respect as well. 
Although, um, one, one slight uh, issue for, for the riders that are on the podium today is that not only will they be getting back to Poe very late tonight, very having late. to have to stay very at the late. top of the mountain uh, and done the podium ceremony, uh, we've been told also that they've got to do their measuring up for their kits, their time trial kits with Santini uh, tonight. So it could be a very, very late night for some riders, which uh, you know may impact their uh, ability to perform uh, in the morning. Who knows? Also, just having a little bit of a quick look at the meteo, the weather for tomorrow in Poe, it is looking like there is a pretty high chance of rain in the morning, and I know the stage is in the afternoon, um, but wet roads will definitely affect the riders and affect how the riders race. For instance, riders like Annemiek van Vluten might be a little bit more cautious on, on the wetter roads. Demi Vollering obviously, of course, has more buffer, so is able to you know, throw, more, throw less caution to the wind, sorry, on the corners keep it safer on those corners and then put the power down on the climbs and the straights whereas you know van vluten kopecky mormon passio and kasia are going to have to be fighting for every single second and we know that kasia will will take those risks on the descents and in the corners um so, so i think it's going to be quite a thrilling race tomorrow right down to the wire well i think that you've both set that up perfectly we've got fatigue we've got possibility of bad weather we've got a tight battle on gc uh, what more can we be expecting well i just wanted to give a shout out to young ella wiley who you spoke to oh yes yeah. uh 20 year 20 years old just the third youngest rider in the race she finished 11th on today's stage uh gained 40 something seconds i 44, think on yeah. uh uh, Cedrine Carabol, Car- uh, and although she's still two minutes behind on the on the young rider classification, uh, you know she brought herself a little bit closer. Carabol is obviously an excellent time trialist, so you wouldn't necessarily expect her to um, to catch up there. But you know, an outstanding ride from a, a very young rider. And uh, and Denny, we well our our dinner is actually sitting on the the table uh, across from us, so we should really uh, get on and tuck into that. Tomorrow, Poe uh, time trial, we've got to look forward to. Uh, we're going to be giving out our peddlers to Sharm Mug also, so thank you for your suggestions uh, in that. We'll be, the jury will be uh, discussing it tonight and choosing a worthy winner. Uh, but uh, yes, thank you very much, Denny. Thank you, Rose. Thank you, Lizzie. And thank you, Lizzie. Thank you, Rose, and can't wait for tomorrow. The Cycling Podcast was created in 2013 by Richard Moore, Daniel Freib and Lionel Burney. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Undaria Algae Body Oil and Undaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.